If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians. That was not negative on the on my brother who uh, who sings that song. I'm not digging on him. I just I just like this one. Ephesians chapter four. As we continue looking at a series of messages on being transformers, we that have trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we've been transformed. Would you agree with that? We've been transformed. And if we've been transformed, then we should have a transformed life. And because of that, uh, we've been looking at Ephesians. We saw a couple weeks ago that because we've been transformed, our, our, our words should be transforming words. They should be words that build up and not tear down. They should be words that extend life and not death. And then we looked at, uh, last week we looked at uh, uh, the uh, transform uh, of our emotions. And we dealt with anger. How we have uh, not allow uh, anger to control us, but we can control our anger. And we can do that if we have a transformed life. So uh, this morning we're going to look, we're going to be in verse number 28. We're going to see... That we also, if we're transformed, we should have transformed attitudes. We are attitudes, and I'm, and I am the, I am acknowledging today that I am guilty. Sometimes my attitude stinks. Okay, my family will tell you that. People around me will tell you that. And I acknowledge that. And I'm, I'm asking God to help me with that. I, I want to have a good attitude. No matter what's going on in my life, I want to have a good attitude. And you've met people just like I have. It doesn't matter what's going on. Their attitude is just, just sorry. I mean, let's just go ahead and uh, don't sugarcoat it. It's just a sorry attitude. It doesn't matter if the sun is shining, they got a bad attitude. If it's raining, they got a bad attitude. Uh, I mean, if, you know, if everything's going well, uh, they have a bad attitude. I don't want you to know. I don't want people to recognize me because I always have a poor attitude. I want to have an attitude that's positive. I want to have an attitude that lifts people up and will lift your spirit. When I come into the room, you're looking and saying, oh man, I, I, I like seeing Brother Mike come in the room because he's always got a good attitude. That's what I want. No, no, I want to pass that on to my family. I want this church, this family here, that when they word gets out in the community, they can say, oh, you can say all you want to about that Hillcrest bunch, but you know what? They're always have a positive attitude. They always seem to spread life and speak life into people. And, and they always try to edify one another. I've been to their service and, and they're always encouraging one another. And, and when I came into that service, I was encouraged. That's what I want us to be known for, to have the right type of attitude. But that attitude also carries on to many areas of our life. And there in verse number 28, we're going to see one area in particular. We're going to see the area of our work. What's your attitude about your work? Oh, and some of you say, oh, all right, he's done gone to meddling already. Because I've heard some of the conversations in the hallways here. I hate my job. I hate my work. I'll be so glad when I retire and I won't have to put up with this. Right? And, and we go on and on and on. But also understand here is that our, it's our attitude 
about what we think we ought to be getting. Listen what the Word says. Let him that stole steal no more. (laughs) Apparently there was a problem of thieves. Paul addresses that. Paul says there are some of you that you're not working for what you got. You just went ahead and took it. We live in an entitlement society, do we not? I mean, everybody's looking for something for nothing. I think I deserve this. I I think I deserve that. And our government has even uh, escalated that. Now, you say, no, now no, here we go, going into politics. has absolutely nothing to do with politics. It all has to do with spiritual things. See, we've come to realize many of our society, and it's crept into the church, by the way, that I ought to be getting something. Now, oh, how do you think I ought to be getting it? Well, I think you ought to give it to me. Well, here he says, let him that stowed steal no more. Apparently, the ones that were thieves, uh, he's telling them that uh, that's not something you need to be involved in. Remember, he's talking to the church here. Talking to the church. He says, but rather, let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have uh, to give to him that needeth. So here, it's quite clear, is it not? This is biblical, has absolutely nothing to do with uh, a government or anything like that. It it appears to us there was a problem that there were some that had even come into the church that were taking things that did not rightly belong to them and they had the attitude like we're seeing rampant in our society today that, uh, hey, uh, that's mine, I deserve to take that and I'll just go ahead and take that. Well, here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17. Paul uses this phrase quite often. He says, in Christ. Matter of fact, he uses it 130 times in his letters. Now, I don't know about you, but when you see something uh, being repeated, or if you see something that's kind of consistent all the way through, that uh, helps me to understand this is really important. It's really important to us to understand if we say that we have been transformed, if we say that we've had a change, if we say that Jesus did something in my heart, then we need to understand that we're in Christ. And if we're in Christ, that should permeate and that should act its way out into action. Would you agree with that? We're in Christ. Now, I'm not going to go ahead and break the Greek down, but the Greek uh, basically says this, uh, that it says He surrounds us. Some of you have surround sound in your home theaters. I know most of y'all have that. You know, you got the uh, 75 inch TVs and you got the surround sound. You got those recliners like they have the Roxy now, you know, the leather. And and then, uh, you know, guys, you have your wives that wait on you and bring you whatever you want at the time. If that's true in your house, I need you to come to my household and and do some training sessions on. Uh -uh. You ain't getting that. Uh, yeah. Hey, would you give me an iced tea? Get it yourself. 
That's the kind of house I live in, okay? But but surround town, what it means? In the Greek, it means that you're in a sphere. That means that you are in the middle and you're surrounded. And so being in Christ means that if we abide in Him, that means that we're here and He surrounds us and every area of our life should show that we are transformed. We're in Christ. And so if we're in Christ, that means that it permeates and it hits all areas of our life. Now, first of all, we see there was a problem. We've already looked at that. Apparently, uh, there was a problem of stealing. Say, well, you mean they even, yeah, that's stealing. We have a problem with stealing in our nation today. Do you realize that when you go buy any product, any product, that 5% of that cost is the cost that they went ahead and set aside for loss. They already determined that the product they're going to sell, that there are going to be some that are going to steal it, shoplifting, whatever you want to use. And so they build that cost in to cover the cost. They already come to to the agreement that we're going to go ahead and lose on this because people are going to steal from us. 5% of everything that you... By 5% covers loss. That's a shame. That's a shame that those who are producing goods are already assuming that somebody's going to try to rip them off. Do you realize just last year, $140 billion, that's with a B, $140 billion was lost because of stealing in some form or fashion. The large percentage of that was by employees. We got a problem. We got a problem that there are some that believe they're entitled to it. So, well, Brother Mike, you know, I understand what you're talking about, and I'm glad today I can go ahead and kick back, and I don't have to really pay too much attention because I don't have any problems in this area. Well, let's just go ahead. Get, just stay tuned, okay? Don't go ahead and get your recliner bag. Don't get too relaxed here uh, because oh, there is a problem. Uh, how do you know that? Well, I have never stolen anything. I, I've never gone and take something that didn't belong to me. Well, <clears throat> have you ever done something like like this. You go into a store, you package, uh, uh, you buy some, you, you know, your cigarettes and your beer and uh, uh, you, you go and, you, and that's just for the deacons there. But, uh, and, and, uh, and you, uh, uh, you know, you pay, pay, you give them the money and uh, she gives you your change back and, uh, you know, you uh, stick it in your pocket or the BFO and you walk out and uh, you do like most of us. You'll look and say, I wonder if she gave me the right change. And you uh, start counting your change and she gave you too much money. And you say, she gave me too much money. Well, hey, she should have been paying attention. And you walk off. That's stealing. That's stealing. Say, or Hey, you know, as much as I paid for this stuff, what's a few extra dollars going to hurt? I've already gave you statistics. $140 billion was stolen because of things not only like that, but in other areas. Ever done anything like that? 
Say, well, it's just a, it was just, it was just, it was just a, oh, it was just $5 over. Well, that's $5 that didn't belong to you. You stowed. Or have you ever done anything like this? You're filling out your taxes. And you made a little extra money along the side and they paid you in cash. And you're going and you're saying, you know what? I know I made a little extra money, but uh, they tax me enough as it is. And I'm not going to disagree with you. They already taxed me enough. I'm just not going to report it. That's stealing. That's stealing. And you say, well, Brother Mike, oh, uh, you know, I have, I've done anything like this. I, I, you know, what about you owe a debt and you have not paid it? And you got word that they just went ahead and wrote it off. God, praise the Lord, just wrote that thing off. No, you owed a debt. And if you didn't pay it, you stole it. That's stealing. You can go ahead and you can justify all you want to, but we need to understand that it did not belong to you and you went ahead and took it, you stole it. But then he goes on and we see in Malachi chapter 3. Now this is where it's really going to get a little uneasy. In Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 through 10, we all know the scripture. This question was right. Would you rob God? Oh, what do you mean robbing God? How do you, well how could we rob God in your tithes and offerings? They said, well, what, 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 you, you don't understand. You, you, we, man, we're really tight on our budget. And, 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 you know, when I get a little extra, I'll throw it in there. You're robbing from God. Because God has given you that job, and He's asking that He just gets 10%. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good deal. He's just asking for 10%. He's left you 90% of what He has empowered you to be able to go and make a living for. And the Bible is quite clear is, you're robbing God if you do not tithe. A tithe is 10%. Oh, 10%. Is that before taxes or after taxes? It answers the question there. It says the first fruits. It's before taxes. 10% before you pay your taxes. That's the tithe that you should be giving and giving on a regular basis. Well, that's the reason why I don't like coming to church because every time I come to church, the preacher's always preaching about money. That's all they're concerned with down there at that church. Money, money, money. Well, if that's what you're thinking, then that tells me you have... I know you haven't been in church in seven months because this is the first time I've ever preached on tithing and I can go ahead and probably count on my hand how many times through the years uh, tithing was uh, preached about. So don't go ahead and tell us that we're always about the money. It's not about the stinking money. It's about your obedience to God. Now, I, I just said, well, you're getting a little fired up over that. I'm getting fired up because it doesn't, and I've heard this excuse. Well, you know, I don't make as much as that. And, and my tithe, even if I tithe, it really wouldn't amount to anything. It has absolutely nothing how that adds up to anything. It's just a simple case of being obedient. And if you're not obedient in tithing, then you're robbing God. That's plain and simple. You're robbing God. But then he goes on. This is where it's really going to get to some uh, feathers ruffled. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15, it says, If a man does not work, he does not eat. 
And that's what the Bible's saying. The Bible says, if you're not working, you don't eat. It goes on and says, and if you're not working, then you will become a busy body. I'm telling you, we're in a society now where too many people have too much time on their hand. And when you have too much time on your hand because of our sinful nature, we're going to be looking into doing something and it's usually the wrong thing. Are we not in that times? I mean, you know, people not working for whatever reason. Now, wait a minute, brother Mike, brother Mike, brother Mike, I can't work. I have a disability. This does not apply to you. This is not what I'm talking about. This is talking about those who are able to work, who are able to work, then you need to be working. But he he doesn't stop there. The Bible says quite a bit about working and and, and about what you deserve out of that. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse number 8 says, If you don't provide, if you're not providing, if you're not working to provide for your family, then you've denied the faith. Pretty strong right there. If you're not working to provide for your family, then you've denied the faith. And then he goes on and says, You're worse than an infidel. That's strong. That's strong. But then he goes, and so we understand, we, we need to be working. Well, why is working, and you're talking about stealing. Well, we're working because we have the attitude that we deserve things. The Bible is quite clear is that we are to work in order to get something, not to take something. We live in a society that's nothing but takers. Everybody wants to take something. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, many uh, have uh, uh, abused the church because they believe that their church was nothing but an ATM or to go ahead and just throw cash out. That's not biblical. That's not what we're supposed to do. We will help, and we have helped many people here. And I'm not saying that there's times when we go through difficulties, you, you, you know, unexpected things, and uh, I'm, that, that has nothing to do with it. It has to do with many will come by here and say, I need money for this. Oh, would you help me with this? And, or this? And, and they go on and on and on. And, and what have we find out after we start asking a few questions, you do realize that uh, when people come and they're coming with uh, the wrong modus, when their stories that they're telling are not uh, truthful stories. I know that's hard to believe, but people will lie to you about why they need the money. I I know, it's a shocker. And so after you start talking to them, I've come to find out the longer they talk, you give them more rope to hang themselves. Because after a while, they forgot they told you this at the front end. Now their story has changed. It goes back to what we talked about earlier about the use of our speech, about uh, how sometimes we've lied, and uh, if we're going to lie, we've got to have a real good memory. I've caught many of them telling me lie. And the bottom line is, they didn't need the money for what they said. They had wanted to use the money because they used the money that they had on things that they didn't need. Oh, oh, forgot. I'm supposed to pay rent with this money. But I went down to the bar and spent it all last night. 
You say, well, why aren't we supposed to help those folks? The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. See, if you're not providing, you're, you're denied the faith and you're worse than an infidel. And, and I don't I want to be cruel. I don't want to sound harsh. But I've come to learn is that many times you just want to say, just get a job. Just get a job. Well, I'm, 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 I'm without a job right now. And uh, I said, what kind of work you? Oh, well, this is the kind of work I'm looking at. And, and they have something, you know. Of course, everybody thinks they deserve the right to make $45 an hour, you know, starting out. And, and uh, they said, well, I, I just hadn't found a job. Well, uh, there's plenty of jobs. Uh, you know, I think Burger King's hiring. No, 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 no. I can't. I, I don't, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not cut out for that kind of work. And, uh, and then he said, well, there's a job over here. Well, you know, I heard that you had to work, uh, work on uh, every other Saturday. Now, you know. Uh, I'm a Saturdays are time that I, I, I go in, 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 in fishing tournaments and so I can't go you know, I mean all kinds of excuses here's the bottom line get a job just get a job says well it's not the job that I want well then go ahead keep that job and then ask and pray God would it be your will that you'd open another opportunity for me don't does this make any sense okay I don't I, this is not the job I, I have a bachelor's degree I have a master's degree I, I, I don't uh, I'm, I'm a little overqualified to do that job and so I'm just waiting for the right opportunity God's really going to bless that he's told you that here's a job here's an offer Go ahead, when you're faithful in the small things, He'll be, make you faithful in the larger things. Go ahead, get a job cleaning toilets or flipping hamburgers. Pray, God, I'm looking for an opportunity and you're seeking God. God will open that opportunity. But does it make any sense? Well, I just think it won't work at all. That's dumb. That's just dumb. And I don't mean I'm not trying to I'm I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm just telling you it is quite clear the Bible is quite clear that he has made us to work. There's nothing wrong with work. Now that moves us on to the prescription. What's the prescription of this problem? In Genesis chapter 2 verse number 15, watch this. I've heard people say this. Well, you know, when Adam fell, that messed everything up for us and it made work hard. Uh, it, it was almost like, uh, so God is going to curse uh, us because he's made us work. Well, you don't know your Bible quite well because in Genesis 2.15, it says this was before the fall. He said he put him in the garden to keep it. He gave him a job. It's always been God's plan for, his, for, for us to work. And so he's put us in, he says, he says, now I placed him in the garden. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, we understand sins come. And, but notice what he said. He didn't say, I'm going to curse uh, Adam uh, by making him work. He says, I cursed the ground that he was going to work. Then it talks about the thorns and the thistles and all of that. He didn't curse work. He cursed the ground. And because, see, but notice if you continue on in Genesis chapter 8 verse 21, this is after the flood, we know that he restored because he made the promise. He says, I will no, no longer curse the earth again like I did before. 
And goes on and he says, now when they plant, they're going to be able to have a harvest. Okay? So, so he, he restored, partially restored oh, what he did because of, of sin here. So here, work has never been something uh, that God says, okay, here's how you're going to be punished. I'm going to put you to work. It was always God's intention for man to work. Man to work. Matter of fact, it goes on and tells us in Scripture that that, that is a good thing. Working is good. Okay? It's okay, teenagers, for you to work. Okay? Parents, it's okay for your child to get a job. Okay? Say, so, well, what about their studies? Not like that. I didn't say they had to work 40-hour weeks. But help them, introduce them to something that God says was good. It's good for a man to work. We've lost sight of that in our society. The work ethic is pathetic. I mean, said, yeah, them young people, I'm talking about the older folk too. Now here's, since I'm in trouble and well, I've got a prospective pastor coming next Sunday, and he, you know, and so, hey, go ahead and give you it all. <laughs> Rip into you. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Now be careful. Don't read into what I'm not saying. But, and I'm, I've, I've said it myself, boy, just wait to retirement. I'm going to do absolutely nothing. No, I don't have to punch a clock no more. I can do what I want to. And, and, I, and I'm, I, that's okay. I understand that. And, but you still need to work. Now, you don't have to go and clock in and all like that, but it's good for you to work. I'm going to go ahead and give you a personal experience. At least four. I know of at least four. That they were all about a retirement and couldn't wait to retirement. And I said, what are you going to do? They said, I'm going to do nothing. I'm just going to sit in my rocking chair and, you know, and all this kind of stuff like that. And that's exactly what they did. Do you know? By the time of their retirement, within six months for two of them, it was a, a year and a half for another one, they died. Why is that? Because when you take what God has designed for good and you go ahead and continue to be disobedient, then you lose your sense of purpose. You lose your sense of purpose. So, well, I have limitations. Understand that. But do something. Because when you take someone's work from them, you're taking the purpose from them. And when you take a person's purpose from them, then they say, well, I don't have nothing to look forward to. I don't even have life to look forward to because I no longer have a sense of purpose. It's a shame in our modern church that we've neglected what the Bible... The Bible says that the older need to be teaching the younger. That's what, that's what the Bible says, right? So what do we do? When we get a certain age, 
We say, well, you know, I've done my time. It's time for me to step aside and let a younger person come in. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible said the older need to be teaching the younger. In many of our churches, we've looked and say, well, you're getting up to that age and Maybe it's time to, and maybe not intentionally, but what we're doing, some of the most valuable resource within our church, we're kicking them off to the curb. Am I telling you the truth? When you take a person's work away, you take their purpose away. God knew what He was doing when He put Adam in the garden to work the garden. And so it goes on in Galatians. So what do we do about this? All right, I need to be working. I understand that if I don't work, I don't deserve to eat. I understand the Bible is quite clear about that. So how do we fix this? How, oh, what is the purpose? In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25, very quickly now. It says that if we're in Christ, then uh, our flesh and our afflictions and our lust have been crucified. Right? Now, notice, he gives us, here's the fruit of the Spirit, and then he says, here's how that fruit is produced. He says, you have to understand that your flesh, your desires, your, your lust have been crucified, right? Because you're now in Christ Jesus. And, and, and what does that have to do with this? Well, lust, lust is a strong desire, something that draws you. And so when you're not working, when you don't have a sense of purpose, then Satan comes in and he dangles those uh, carrots in front of you. And, and, and because you don't have a sense of purpose and you're not focused on a task at hand, so Satan comes in and he says, you know what? And the next thing you know, then you come to realize that, you know what? I don't really need to be doing all of that. I've reached a certain age. I kind of deserve a few things. So I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to sit back. I'm not going to be involved in my church. I'm not going to work in Awana. I'm not going to drive the bus. I, I mean, you know, I let somebody else take my job. Why in the world, why you come up with that deduction? When you give a job, God's told you to be a servant. Nobody else can take your place. That was your job. That was your purpose. And you say, well, I, I just, I think I've had, you have not bide your time. You're not going on to retirement from the Lord's work until He calls you home. So there's something for you to do. No matter what your age is, you can work for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, I entertain, uh, I've had people say, well, you know, retirement, that's going to help me to be able to do more for my church. Amen. That's the right attitude to have. That's the right attitude to have. And so he says we're, we're in Christ. And so what does he say? And he said, because Christ is in us, because the flesh has been crucified, let us walk in the Spirit. First John chapter 2, verse number 6 says, Walk is He, talking about the Lord Jesus, walk is He walked. May I remind you, Jesus had a job. He was a carpenter. Did I need to go anymore? It's okay to work. It's of God to work. 
And we need to say, well, you was talking about stealing. Okay, because when you give a person a job, they not only have a sense of purpose, but now they have self-esteem. They are, that, it makes them feel good inside. That's the way God intended. God intended that work would give you a sense that you're doing something. And we've taken it away. We're making it way too easy for people not to work. Way too easy. Matter of fact, it's crept into the church. And we're seeing now. And you can, you can, it's all just gun talk to many churches. Now, now many churches are paying for people to do jobs that we used to do because we just felt like that's what we were supposed to do. I'm telling you. Why is that? Because that entitlement has crept into the church. Go ahead and hire another staff member. And you go and look at budgets. Not this, not, not, not this church. No, not this church. You go and look at other churches. They are top heavy with paid staff doing the things that the lay people used to do and want to do. I'm not telling you the truth. We have been transformed. That means my attitude has changed. That means that I'm not thinking about me. I'm thinking about others. Is that not what we're here for? Jesus Christ Himself, our example. He says, I didn't come to be ministered. He says, I've come to minister. That's the Lord Jesus. And so here we've lost sight. And you say, uh, and you know, right in the first says, well, uh, you know, laid back. I hope you've uh, put your recliner back in the upright position and, and that you started paying attention. You might not have uh, uh, stolen. You might not have kept change. But could it be you're here and you have this attitude, I can't wait uh, till I get a certain age because that's when I'm going to go ahead and do what I want to do. There's our problem. Church, this is not by what I want to do. It's about what He wants to do through us. And so, uh, He goes and tells us what's the purpose. We're closing. The purpose is Luke chapter 14, verses 13 through 14. He says, paraphrasing here, He says, make a feast. Make a big meal. That means there had to be some work involved, right? Okay, go ahead and make this big feast. I mean, you know, go ahead and get uh, your favorite recipes, uh, you know, time, uh, a lot of time involved. Understand now, back in the context here, they couldn't go to Kroger. They had to make everything from scratch, right? So when they were making a feast, that involved a lot of work, right? Goes on and says... Now, after you made the feast, here's who you're going to invite. You're going to invite the poor. You're going to invite the lame. You're going to invite the blind. You're going to invite those who cannot help themselves. And then he goes on and says this. And if you do that, you'll be blessed. You may not get paid monetarily here, 
for the work that you do for the Lord Jesus Christ. But you will get paid when you get there. You'll get your reward. Am I talking to anybody here today? You will get your reward when you get there. What does this have to say? This has to say is the reason why we're able to work is because we will be able to help others who cannot help themselves. Now, I'm not talking about you deprive your family. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you don't go and you do your vacation. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm learning that we're more involved in our leisure and pleasure time and we're spending so much money on recreation now. I'm not saying not to do that, but all I'm saying is, have you ever thought that maybe some of the... You don't have to have four or five vacations in a year's time. Why don't you take that money and apply it to something that's going to have eternal value? How about sponsoring a child that does not have the money to go to a camp to where they're going to hear the gospel? What about investing in people's lives that cannot help themselves? They do not have the means, the resources that you have. Church, is that not what we're here? We're not here for each other, even though we are. But we're not here to satisfy ourselves. We're here for others. We're here to reach a community that's dying and lost and going to hell. But we're more concerned about what we're going to do. Going back to the tides, we would be able to do whatever needed to be done for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ if we were just faithful to do what God's told us to do. And by the way, that is not an out for you being obedient and dropping your money in the offering plate and thinking, I've done my job, I gave the money. No. Your job is that you need to work. Why? Because there's people that are dying and going to hell. We're doing this for others. And we got to have a transformed attitude to come to realize this is about others. It's not about me. So here, the Paul says... There's some of you that's stolen, don't steal anymore. He also went and said that we need to labor. We need to work. And we have to, that word labor means intense work. That means that we need to roll up our sleeves and we need to go to work for the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what your age, you can have a job for Jesus. You can serve Jesus somewhere. And if you have physical limitations, you can serve Jesus somewhere. You can write a card of encouragement to someone that's going through a difficult time. Maybe you're like me and you can't drive, but there's others that will volunteer and they'll say, I'll drive you if you want to go somewhere. But I can pick up the phone and I can call somebody and say, Hey, listen, I heard that you're sick. Just wanted to know I've been praying for you today. If there's anything else I can do for you. 
There's something for everyone to do. We all need to work. And we need to work together. Need to work together.